Welcome to the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating. From angels to energy healing, from mystical places to mystical teachings, this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul. My guest on the podcast today is Oram Miller. Oram is an electromagnetic frequency expert. He's a certified building biology environmental consultant and an electromagnetic radiation specialist. That's a mouthful. <laughs> he also is on the faculty of the Building Biology Institute. He's written a wonderful book called Breathing Walls, and he also has a web series called Green Living Institute. I met Oram some time ago when I wanted to have some of the EMFs, the dirty electricity, any of these interferences that can really affect our lives. And more specifically, my husband was having issues sleeping at night and it was suggested to me that it was related to the frequencies in our bedroom. Well, that person was correct. And the man that came over was Oren Miller. I ended up sitting with him for almost maybe nine hours, eight to nine hours. And uh, without a break, he instructed, educated, just spelled it out to me what all this is about. And I'm still digesting those sliders. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy. I hope it serves you well. And let me know your thoughts. All the information, as always, is in the show notes. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for being on the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. I know you're a geek because you came over to my house and you helped us so much. And I think we talked for like eight hours and you could have kept going. <laughs> yes, that's, that's all true. Uh, yes. Well, particularly when people are interested in this work. Not everyone is. Um, I have two groups of people who I work with, as, as I explained to you, and as I explained to every client who I work with, those who are health conscious, but not symptomatic from the EMS that they have in their home, but they are uh, interested in better health. So they, they tell me, I've done everything for them. I, I, I have organic food. I, I eat and serve my family organic food. Um, we've taken care of, looked for any mold and taken care of it uh, in ways that are non-toxic. Um, what else? Um, just all uh, alternative medicine approaches and modern medicine when they need it. Yeah, integrative medicine, uh, as it's known. Um, and then now EMFs. So um, they they don't they may know a little bit or a lot, and they don't have symptoms. So that's half of my clients. The other half of the people who we work with as building biology environmental consultants and electromagnetic radiation specialists are people who have symptoms. They are symptomatic and sensitive. Now, there, there are a few people at one end of that spectrum who are sensitive, but not quite symptomatic. Yeah. So there's a whole range. Now, then there's a, at the other end of that spectrum are people who are quite sim symptomatic and really um, uh, lead a difficult life. They, they can't go out of their home without developing symptoms. They sometimes have symptoms in their own home, especially if there are other people who share that home with them who are less uh, on board and may have uh, Wi-Fi and or want Wi-Fi and, and so on. So sometimes I'll go into a home 
and work with uh, a family, you know, uh, two adults and then their older teenage children who are all using wireless devices, including the person who calls me. That's interesting. Um, and uh, but the person who's symptomatic needs help in, in getting the other people in the family to accept that what they're feeling is real. Mm-hmm. to to cooperate, to reduce their use of wireless devices, to make it uh, less symptomatic, to make the environment less toxic for the person who's reacting to these radio frequency devices. And sometimes, again, as I said, people who call me who are symptomatic and sensitive also use these wireless devices themselves because they want to stay connected or they don't quite know what the relationship is or they, they're hoping against hope that that this thing that they're carrying around is is not affecting them, but but the cell tower out there they know is you know that's an interesting situation where they call up and say you got you have to help me with that cell tower out there and and we look at it and we shield when necessary, but we go in the backyard and I use the meters and instruments that I have and I show them that the um, that the strength of the radio frequency signal coming from the cell tower that they can see off in the distance is is you know. 150 microwatts per meter squared. We go inside the house and there's tens of thousands of microwatts from their router over there and their cordless telephone there. And then when I put my meter up to this, it's, you know, a couple million microwatts. And the problem is you can't see, hear, or smell any EMFs. Right. Right. So we have magnetic fields, electric fields, radio frequencies, and dirty electricity, as, as you remember me explaining to you. And then we went around your house and we looked for these things. Yes. Um, and 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 I made recommendations on mitigating them. So, um, in fact, I have your chart right here. <laughs> so I. Well, I might just mention, since you just threw in a lot of information, that the things you mentioned, I, I remember, um, or am I listened? <laughs> But the four yeah. things you did just mention um, are really important for people to hear. And the, those are the four kinds of EMFs, which are magnetic fields, electrical fields, wireless device, devices, is the radio frequency, and dirty electricity. And people listening, they might be like, well, what's the difference? Can you break down those four differences? Certainly. And how they affect us? Certainly. So first of all, I have a website. Uh, www.createhealthyhomes.com. Homes is plural. It's all one word. So there is a, a, a under all about EMFs on the very right, you'll see um, there is a, a drop down menu under each one of these. And, and there's a whole section there on, on with five articles. You can also access this from the, from the homepage uh, if you scroll down. And what I'm talking about are five articles that I wrote. The first one is introduction to EMFs. And then the other four are specific articles on each of the four types of EMFs. Magnetic fields, electric fields, radio frequencies, and then dirty electricity. So what most people who look at EMF websites learn is in no particular order, Smart meters, smart electric meters and gas and water meters a few years ago, still um, of concern. But now it's 5G. It's all 5G. That's what everyone talks about. And what does that mean? That means fifth generation cell technology. Every decade we have a new number. So the first generation was the 10 years uh, of the um, 80s. Uh, 
Then we had the second generation was in the 90s. The third generation or 3G was in the, two, the, the early 2000s. The fourth generation was is in the decade that we just finished, uh, the 2010s. Um, and, and really the whole shift starts about, you know, in, in the eighth year of the preceding decade. So we shifted from 4G to 5G in around 2018. So we're now in the fifth decade of cell technology. And each of these decades is characterized by um, certain characteristics and features that the cell industry wants to incorporate. And it takes a decade to incorporate all dozen of them. And so the world's consortium of cell companies, you know, in this country, we have Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile, which absorb Sprint. So that is now one company. And, and uh, Dish Network is going to be our fourth um, provider. Uh, and Spectrum Cellular just uses the Verizon um, and Cricket and Metro. They all use other people's, uh, other companies' uh, networks. Uh, and US Cellular is in a part of the a central part of the country. Um, so the point is, that these are, we have overlapping networks. Europe doesn't have that. All the companies over there use the same network, interestingly enough. I just learned that a few months ago. Here we have four competing companies with overlapping networks. So we have massive saturation of, of cell signals in, in urban areas and, and less so in, in rural. And, um, and, and it's called cellular because you'll have a, a macro cell tower, which is um, FR1, which is... Uh, frequency range one, which is 600 megahertz to about 2.5 gigahertz or 2,500 megahertz. That's the low band and the mid band where all the 4G is, all the 1G, 2G, 3G, 4G. They're all in that, that band from 600 megahertz to about 2,500 megahertz. Now, um, and, and, and so each succeeding generation is more sophisticated than the previous one. In the first generation in the 80s, we just had cell service, voice service, uh, and, and very simple, actually no texting. The texting came in the second generation. And then in the third generation, we had we added uh, access to the web. That's three, that was 3G. Um, and then that was in the 20, 2000s. And now 4G added high definition um, web access and, and what we basically have now. Uh, and, and it turns out that in 2007, the second generation partnership program, 2GPP, the consortium of the world's cell companies came up with uh, a dozen, 12 or 13 features that they said would be incorporated into 4G, mm. starting in 2008 or so, up to about 2018. And it took them, and so they incorporated uh, one or two of them every two years. So over the span of the 10 years, they incorporated pretty much all of them. And, and according to one gentleman who has a blog, Pots and Pants, and his name is Doug Dawson, D-A-W-S-O-N, Pots and Pants, and I, and I subscribe to it. And he's, he's an industry insider. It's not an EMF guy. And he, he wrote one or two posts about EMFs. And you know, he, he says, he's not sure whether it's real or not. And But the point is, he's an insider. He's a watchdog. And he really is is looking at what five all the hype about 5G and saying in the last two years, we don't have as much as we think we do yet. We have a lot of modulation and we have a lot of um and then they are rolling it out. There's a lot of money being invested in this. So it's real and it's it's impacting people and we do have to be concerned about it. 
but it's not quite what people think. There, there's some nuances to it that that I write about and, and uh, speak about, which I'll mention now. And when I've been interviewed by others, I've mentioned in the interviews that, uh, from Lloyd Burrell and, and um, uh, Josh Joshua um, Del Sol, who did the 5G summit a year or two ago. So anyway, <clears throat> what Doug Dawson has mentioned is that it wasn't until the end of the 4G decade, 2018, when the first fully functional 4G cell antenna went online in the United States. So, so, all right. So, so then in 2017 or so, the 3GPP convened, meaning the third generation partnership program. And that, those are the protocols that are being utilized by the cell companies of the world now for the fifth decade of the 2020s. I actually listened to an hour webcast from a couple of guys who work for Rode and Schwartz, which is a German uh, manufacturer of testing equipment, you know, like, like oscilloscopes, very fancy equipment. That, that have they have anechoic chambers and then they have instruments that that where you can where they simulate 4G and 5G cell antennas and 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 so I, I I've been to the Mobile World Congress America which is now called Mobile World Congress Los Angeles annual convention which was moved down from Silicon Valley in 2018 to the LA convention Los Angeles Convention Center where the car show is. And so I went there in October in 2018 and 2019, didn't have it 2020, hope to have it in a couple of months in October 2021, uh, where 22,000 engineers come together and, and they have booths at the convention center. So not only was Verizon there and T-Mobile and AT&T, but also the, the manufacturers of the antennas, Nokia, Samsung, Motorola, Ericsson. So I got to spend two days talking to the, 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 the men and women who are the engineers and, and the sales reps for these companies. So, I, and they're, they're there to answer questions. So, you know, to, 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 to get business and, and answer questions. And I went to some of the lectures that were presented. So I got a real um, uh, immersion those two years into what 5G is all about. How does it differ from 4G? What, are the, what do these terms mean? How does it how are cell signals actually generated and what is the technology? So we have a new uh, set of, of like, again, another dozen or so features that are going to be implemented over this decade for 5G. And it means more speed, lower latency, more efficiency, more organization, more, more uh, pushing the, the more automaticity, more automation out into the periphery so that the, the cell tower that you see uh, is gonna do a lot of its processing for itself instead of sending, sending the data stream back to a central office for processing and back out to the, to the, the edge. So it's called edge computing. And we have non-standalone versus standalone technology. Standalone is, is more integrated uh, and, and more automation and more processing going on in individual radios and antennas. Uh, some of these features, they include dynamic spectrum sharing which means that your cell phone will automatically shift between 4G and 5G right in the cell phone itself, depending on whether you're exposed to a, a have access to a 5G signal. Okay. So I mean, I could, this is a yeah. lot of information. There's so much to talk about here, but for people that are really new to this and they really are coming onto this podcast and they want to know, first of all, are EMFs dangerous? How do I know if I'm having EMF exposure or symptoms? What are typical symptoms of EMF uh, issues? Uh, okay. Rash, so, headaches, dizziness? 
All the above. Um, the people who call us, and I'm on the faculty, so I have um, uh, students who go through our training program for the Building Biology, Biology Institute. And you can uh, learn more about that at buildingbiologyinstitute.org. Um, so what we hear from people um, is in no particular order, uh, headaches, numbness and tingling, ringing in the ears, brain fog, memory loss, difficulty sleeping, difficulty concentrating. Um, uh, those are the main ones. Uh, uh, heart palpitations, did I mention that? Um, and and what, what they notice is that the, any of those symptoms would be worse when they're using one of these devices, if, it's, if they're sensitive to radio frequencies. They could be sensitive to magnetic fields that they may have in the home or electric fields. There are a lot of electrically sensitive people who have those symptoms that I just mentioned, who get better to a certain point and then they plateau. Um, and we come in and we use, use the protocols that we teach our students to use, like we, I did with at your house, yeah. in your apartment. To and, and we analyze with our meters and instruments some of the EMFs that they know about, but others that they don't, which I'll mention, particularly electric fields. Um, and that's the missing link for a lot of them. We, we identified them. They didn't know about them from the EMF uh, website that they're reading. And not, not, I'm not being critical at all of people who are not trained by us per se, because a lot of, a lot of what's written, a lot of what is out there in the EMF uh, literature, both from interviews and, and podcasts and um, articles, uh, is written by people who are not um, researchers, uh, um, engineers, electricians, electrical contractors, physicists, engineers. Uh, um, they are people who are sensitive to these fields and, and they're doing the best that they can to understand a very complex subject. So th there is some mixing up of the EMS, some, some misunderstanding of how they, how they work and some um, overgeneralization. So in my writings on my website, createhealthyhomes.com, in my radio interviews and in my um, work on a one-on-one basis with individual clients, both locally here in Southern California and around the country and, and world, um, I, I try to uh, unravel and, and correct some of those in a very respectful way, those misunderstandings that, that I hear that come up that people mention. So, um, so you could be sensitive to any of these four EMFs and have any of these symptoms. And then these people notice that when they're out of the house or when they stop using these things and find hardwired alternatives, which is what we recommend, then their symptoms start to come down. Nice. Now, there are obviously other causes of those symptoms that I mentioned. So to whatever degree the e EMFs that are present in the house are contributing to that, we can't get make any guarantees about outcome right. uh, or make any promises about reduction of health symptoms. But what we can say, what I've learned that I can say with certainty is to the degree that uh, a home, a living environment that person, people either own or rent has EMFs and to the, degree, to the degree that there is a correlation between the person's symptoms and those EMFs and to the degree that we are successful at reducing them as measured by our meters, then that's the degree of improvement that they can expect. Right. Well, even if you don't have sensitivity, to me, it's a bit concerning. I'll use myself as an example, as we're talking here today, that I felt that um, 
just intuitively, I wanted to mitigate the electromagnetic frequency in my home. We have a young child. Um, we live in a condo. So we are constantly being bombarded by other people's routers above me, below me, to the sides of me. Right. And also, and then just the building structure itself. I don't know what's going on geopathically and all that. And, and I know that's a whole other conversation, but just to use myself as an example, if you could talk about what the healthy or um, acceptable numbers really are compared to numbers that are in the sort of red zone, because what was so astonishing for me was like, for example, our router is in our closet in our master bedroom. Right. And when you would use your devices, we, it was in the tens of thousands. And then you had to ground our bed with like a clipping device and it brought it down to like 200. So too also with, which was so surprising with our sound bar, we did this whole beautiful remodel in the living room thinking we're doing ourselves a favor. And here we have the sound bar. Just and to the left of where you're sitting. Yes. Yes. And you're it was sitting like, right next to it. Yes. It's unplugged though. <laughs> okay. But it was like, I think in like the hundreds of thousands. Is, of microwatts for me to squirt. Yeah, microwatts. So can so you, you just, talk about you just, that and how that's affecting us? And why are these, how is that acceptable? And the normal should be like, what, below 200? Well, you just mixed in a, a, a three of the of the four EMFs in, in what you just said in your litany of things, which, which is, is okay. Um, so what are I, those three, by the way? What are the three that... Well, well, the... Um, so to go in the reverse order, the last thing you mentioned was a sound bar. Yeah. It's, a, it's a sound bar with a, a, one of the companies that, that has a wire, wireless speakers, plug and play. You get right. you open the box, plug them in for electricity, sync them up with your wi to your router through Wi-Fi, and you're done. And you have music all over the house from whatever source you want, from your from the playlist and on your uh, your cell phone or from the computer. Those are the two main sources um, today. Uh, and so that puts out a lot of radio frequencies, even on standby, even when you're not listening to music. Huge. And, and your son, I mean, as I remember, you're at your desk and his desk is right next to it. Yeah. Uh, and, my, and then, my husband's and, were sharing it. That's kind of like a built in. And then he's playing yeah, the TV games in, between. in front of the sound bar and it's yeah. hitting hundreds of thousands of like microwatts microwatts per meter squared now and, and that's not um um unique most people have um a computer on their desk and then their router uh modem and router are right in that same room in the, their home office or in the entertainment center so they'll have a cordless telephone base unit they'll have the router they'll have um a cordless mouse and keyboard um and that's that's a Bluetooth signal, and all of these transmit constantly. But you see, if you turn, the only way that people know it is is with an, a radio frequency or EMF meter, depending on which EMF we're looking at. So let's talk about radio frequencies for the moment. So with the radio frequency meter that I have, it's only when I turn that on that you actually see that there's that the number is high and it's 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 bouncing around in terms of the number that's displayed. And it gets less exponentially as I move away. And, and as I get close, it gets way high. So it's not a linear decline with radio frequency sources. It's an exponential decline. So it really gets high, but it drops off pretty quickly. But it's still unsafe for, for many feet into the room as far as we're concerned, which I'll get to in a second. So 
Um, and, and there are usually several sources, not just one. But when I um, turn, turn the sound off, I have a way, uh, the meter that I use for radio frequencies uh, can show, can, can work with sound off or sound on. So I start with sound off and I show people what the number is. And then I turn the sound on and then they hear all these, this, um, beep, beep, you know, all these uh, sounds yeah. that are present in the click, click, click. And um, so, in fact, you, I know what each of them are. I know the audible signature. I know what a router sounds like, what a cordless telephone base unit sounds like, what Sonos sounds like, what a cell tower, 4G cell tower sounds like, what, what your um, the crackling of this. I know them all because I hear them every day and I teach my clients how to um, differentiate them. And uh, there's a website of a colleague of mine uh, at safelivingtechnologies.com, safelivingtechnologies.com. And you go to his education section or resources and you scroll down. And then there's a whole, there's a link there with a whole list of um, sound files of each of these uh, different devices, if you want to learn that. So, so that that's all there. And then, and then I, I say, well, this is the environment that you're sitting in with all of this sound, this cacophony of sound coming at you from, from that, which doesn't go down to a, a level that we consider to be safe till you get out to here. You're in that the whole time you're sitting here um and and whether you develop symptoms or not depends on a lot of different factors um previous exposure your your the strength of your constitution the amount of stress you're under um uh there are many reasons why some people become symptomatic when in proximity to these and others don't there there's research in europe that that where they came to the conclusion that 100% of cells in the brain within a few inches of a cell phone, they found have adverse health effects on a DNA and a mitochondrial level Oof. and an RNA level. Scary. Heat shock proteins, um, uh, DNA damage when it unfurls and, and, and is available for transcription. There are transcription errors that occur. Now, when it folds back up again, it's protected. But the mRNA is not protected, and 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 the rRNA and the there's a third one, uh, tRNA, uh, transfer RNA that that are affected in their work, and the mitochondria are affected, and the cell membrane is affected in terms of, and it shuts down, and you don't get nutrients in and waste products out. That was Dr. George Car Carlo's contribution. I mean, I could go on for hours about that. Uh, there are excellent websites that I link to from my website, uh, Environmental Health Trust. Um, uh, many others that have excellent research from around the world. Uh, in fact, we just got word that the um, the appeals court in Washington, D.C., a three-judge panel, um, ruled in favor of the Environmental Health Trust and Children's Health Defense, which- I saw that. I'm so glad you're bringing this up. Joined forces, and 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 they, they, they filed a, uh, a petition against the Federal Communications Commission in January of 2020, and they had their hearing in January of 2021. I listened to that. It was supposed to be 10 minutes, and it ended up going on for almost an hour. And, and this attorney for the FCC kept saying, we're fine. We did, we, we looked at all this back 25 years ago. Um, and, and at the time, uh, the research that we showed, saw it wasn't relevant. There wasn't research that supported uh, any any evidence of any harm at, at levels below one milliwatt per square centimeter in terms of the power density. Well, that's uh, that's a thousandth of a watt 
striking a half inch by half inch. But if you do the math and you look at the conversion tables, that's um, 10 million microwatts per meter squared, which is three feet by three feet, which is the unit of measurement that the Europeans use right. and that we use because we're an offshoot of a German uh, uh, organization called the, the Bau Biology Institute, which mean, Bau means house and biology is their pronunciation of the English word biology. So that that uh, knowledge was brought to the United States in 1987 by one of their graduates, a German architect, Helmut Zia. He married an American woman and he founded the North a North American branch called the uh, International Institute for Building Biology and Ecology, which we now uh, was renamed the Building Biology Institute. That's the organization that trained me, certified me, and who I teach for now. Uh, and their website is buildingbiologyinstitute.org. So, so there's an abundance of research that has been done on all EMFs that we link to and, and that, that um, uh, people have done around the world. And it's, it's collated in, in, in fact, the Navy published two compendia of, of 5,000 studies twice in the 70s. And when the cell industry approached the American government and said in the 80s, we want to, to commercialize this, this cell technology that was developed by the US Army and, and, and Navy back in the 60s, okay, um, to get information to their to the people and uh, their soldiers on the front lines without it being intercepted, like happened in the imitation game, that movie with Benedict Cumberbatch between the Germans and the Americans back in World War II. So they came up with this technology in the 60s and that's the that was the forerunner. That is cell, cell technology as we have it. And when these um, these these civilian companies, Nextel, um, which became Sprint or Verizon, and they said we want the oversight of the health of this to be in the Federal Communications Commission, not in the Environmental Protection Agency, not in the National Institutes of Health, where they have researchers who can oversee this stuff. And the FCC says, why are you giving this to us? We don't have any doctors. We don't have any researchers. We can't oversee the health. Of, of uh, you know, but that was the whole point. Uh, that was, that's the influence that the cell company has over the government and the regulatory agencies that are supposed to protect us. Mm -mm, they don't protect us. Uh, us. They they do what the. No, and, and they're, than the pharmaceutical companies and the power they have over you know, it's like talk about agency capture. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So there are more paid lobbyists on Capitol Hill, uh, registered from the uh, cell industry, than there are members of Congress. So, and, and in California here, where we live. Can you uh, say that again? There are more lobbyists. Paid lobbyists registered, registered on Capitol Hill for the cell industry than there are members of Congress. There are 400. Just pause on that. That's. 535 members of Congress, 100 senators and 435. I think that's the number of Congress people. Yeah. There are more than 535 registered lobbyists for the cell industry. Unbelievable. At least that, as of a year ago. So, um, so with Daphna, and this is this latest information that I just gave is from Daphna Tackover, who helped with the the lawsuit that was just. So, so what happened back in in the lawsuit is they said uh, the the plaintiffs, uh, Children's Health Defense and uh, Environmental Health Trust, with Scott McDonough as the, the attorney that represented them, us basically, said to the appellate judges. The Federal Communications Commission is not uh, looking at the research that exists domestically and internationally in coming up with their guidelines for protection of, of, of health for American citizens. That was basically the basis of it. And, and that they were actually in violation of certain statutes 
um, in, in doing so. So the, the attorney for the FCC argued that, well, they looked at it all back at 25 years ago and there was no evidence then and we're sticking with that. There's no new evidence and, and, and there's no reason why we should look at anything new. It's, it's fine what we saw back then. Well, the problem is they, they looked at research that, that was based on waiting till heating effects occurred, like heat shock proteins and, and other changes in, in, in the, the in cells in rats when they, when they raised um, the, the strength of radio frequencies in, in laboratory settings. And it wasn't until they saw thermal damage heat shock proteins and other evidence of, of heating, overheating of, of the tissues. That's, they said that is our safe exposure level, which is one milliwatt per square centimeter. But, but if you translate that to the unit of measurement that the Europeans use, and my profession uses the building biology profession, that's 10 million microwatts per meter squared. We say 1000 microwatts per meter squared is a, 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 um, uh, an extreme anomaly for sleeping areas and we want our clients to be 10 microwatts per meter squared or less. 10 to 1,000 is severe, 1,000 or more of microwatts per meter squared is extreme. But that 10 is like, like 10, six orders of magnitude lower than the uh, 10 million microwatts per meter squared that the FCC says is safe. So- And just to say, when you did my bedroom, mine was at 10,000 microwatts per meter squared wasn't it it was like in the it was above a thousand uh 15,000 i'm reading 15, right here. Oh, there you go and now now here's the thing yeah your bed was here and then there was the the, the space about uh 10 feet to the to, to the master bedroom closet and then in the background of the master bedroom closet was your router yes about 24 7 and and so the distance between you know that would be about uh 15 feet or so and it was it, it's it's more than it's, it's several million but not 10 million. So it's under the FCC levels when you put your meter right next to it. And of course, America's FCC levels. But if you go to Europe, it's still, I mean, that's still incredibly high, right? Well, Europe is a little different than us in the sense that their uh, campaign finance laws, um, their, 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 their presidential elections are not held regularly. You never know when they're gonna be. And when the opposition party you know, gets a vote of no confidence, then, then they initiate a, an election. Six weeks till they till you vote for the new, uh, you know, a new new election, and it's all publicly financed. Uh, uh, the campaigns are all publicly financed, and so, you know, we we have a set schedule, um, and and Citizens United meant that that all this dark money could be uh, um, contributed. I mean, the average senator wakes up and needs several uh, tens of thousands of dollars per day that they have to raise. They have to go out off off site, off the Congress, off you know outside the Congress, and um, and and fundraise right. um, several times a week. And and anyway, so so the the corporations uh, get their way. Even in California, here uh, they were there. The Department of Health convened a task force ten years ago to advise California citizens on how to use cell phones safely. When the cell industry found out about that, they said to the Jerry Brown administration, you can't do this or, or you know, so so they kept the, the, the information private. It was never released. They didn't and, want you to use the cell phone safely. So they're like, hold on, we don't we don't want that. Well, um, uh, well, Joel Mosca with the PhD at UC Berkeley uh, found out about this and through a Freedom of Information Act, pried that loose and it was published by the New York Times 
uh, big embarrassment for the Brown administration right before it ended, uh, you know, like three years ago, that, that this task force had been convened through your tax dollars and my tax dollars as California residents, um, and and we never knew the results of it. So because the cell industry said you can't you can't release this, you know I I, I don't want to bash anybody. I don't want to get on the wrong side of, of the cell industry. Um, I you know I use a cell phone, um, <laughs> but there are ways to do it um, uh, in a healthy way. Re we say reduce use of wireless devices in general increase distance when you do use them uh, and then favor hardwired connections when you're at home. I use this. Remember this kids? This is a this is an audio podcast. So he's holding oh. a oh 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 it's not good. Yeah he's holding a nice old school phone with a cord. Telephone, a corded remember those <laughs> and this is what i use when i talk to people at my desk at home here um i don't have good cell reception i don't like how my head feels when yeah. i put a cell phone next to it i feel heat yeah i, I don't like the way it feels i'm not highly electrically sensitive i'm aware but it, it doesn't cause symptoms for me but um but it does for my clients a lot of my clients so back to one of your earlier questions um we say that everyone should pay attention to this and reduce their exposure, just like we have learned to do so with mold, with um, uh, GMOs in food, with, um, uh, you know, particulates uh, and what else? Um, you know, we're, we're, we're paying more and more attention to our environment and to our health. But when it comes to electromagnetic fields, I mean, I grew up um, in, the, in the mid to late fifties and, uh, born in the early 50s so i i grew up at a time when cigarette smoking was was prevalent mm -hmm. in my own family not my parents but my but but the ring of my aunts and uncles they chain smoked so when i went over to, to play with my you know as a kid with my um cousins and have dinner with my aunts and uncles and with their families i came away reeking of smoke my cousins grew up with breathing secondhand smoke because their parents chain smoked and they they didn't have good health as a result of it. Um, my parents, fortunately, didn't smoke. Well, actually, my father smoked a pipe. But anyway, the point is, in those days, in the 50s and 60s, it was everywhere. It was on TV. It was in the movies, uh, everywhere you went. And then they had um, non-smoking sections of the airplane and or the restaurants. So now we have the problem is you cannot see, smell, or hear the fields that come out of these devices. Right. Um, now, not everyone is affected. I mean, we are, we are all affected on a cellular level. So this earlier research uh, in Europe said that 100% of the cells are adversely affected, but two thirds of the population can repair that damage at night when they sleep. We were talking about, we were talking about the levels in my bedroom. And what was so astonishing is how high the levels were at 15,000 in my bedroom. Oh, that's microwatts per meter squared. And, and we say 1,000 microwatts per meter squared uh, and up is an extreme anomaly level uh, for um, sleeping areas. So there's a table on my website, which actually came from the safelivingtechnologies.com website. Um, so on their website, you go to their resources and uh, and then you can see the, the, the table and, and it, it's updated from the building biology 
uh, Institute in uh, Germany uh, every every so many years. Um, and we like to have our clients not in the extreme anomaly or severe anomaly levels, but in the slight anomaly or no anomaly levels for all EMFs. So that means below one milligauss of magnetic field exposure, below 1.5 volts per meter in terms of electric field exposure or 100 millivolts when measured with a body voltage meter for electric fields, which is the unknown EMF and is present in where you in, everywhere, coming six to eight feet from the wall right through the sheetrock uh, from um, the hot wire of unshielded circuits like the plastic Romex circuits and the plastic cords that are at your feet and, and um, from lamps and such. That electric field robs you of a good night's sleep and you need to have that shut off. So you need to shut your breakers off around the bedroom um, or or have a cutoff switch put in by an electrician. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you mentioned that because one of the reasons we had you come over to our home is because my husband was having a hard time sleeping at night. And mm. we correlated that to the router and the EMF that was just well, that would be that. So, so yeah. that would be the third type. So the magnetic fields are the first type, um, apples. Um, electric fields are the second type, oranges, apples and oranges. They're completely different. And then the third type is radio frequencies like raspberries. And then dirty electricity is the fourth type of EMF which is like kiwis. So you have four different fruits um, and they're all different. They're all measured with different meters and they all have their own levels. So we like to have the radio frequency levels below 10 microwatts per meter squared when we sleep. And then dirty electricity, we like those levels as measured by a, a plug-in Stetzer or Greenwave meter to be below um, ideally 25 to 50 units or less. But I often see 200 to 2000 or more units in uh, homes here in Southern California and wherever I go from dirty electricity. Dirty electricity is, is defined as the electric and magnetic fields or components of higher frequency uh, fields. So, and those come from devices that didn't exist 50 years ago. Those are from dimmer switches, compact fluorescent lights, these, these, these switch mode power supplies, um, circuit boards that we have in variable speed furnaces. Um, and Smart homes? I'm sorry? Smart homes? Well, well, a smart home is a term used in smart cities for a home that is integrated, that has lighting light switches that, that have a keypad um, and you, you, you know, with presets, so you press a button and 14 lights come onto a preset level and, um, and, and you can communicate, um, you can control different things in the home from keypads and from your cell smartphone. Is That's that a smart electricity? Home. Sorry? Is that a form of dirty electricity? No, um, the, 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 of the four types of EMFs, the type of EMF that is most prevalent in a smart home is radio frequencies because that's how the keypads um, oh. often um, uh, connect with each other. And, and, and in earlier on in the initial iterations of central centralized lighting control systems, they were hardwired. In fact, they can still be hardwired. In fact, we encourage hardwired networks for internet, telephone, coaxial cables for television, um, um, low voltage cables for thermostats, for uh, surveillance cameras, for baby monitors, uh, and you know for your light switches, uh, not wireless, because everything I just mentioned is all gone to wireless now. And so that means you have multiple transmitters. Uh, and, and the big question that we have when I go into the home of someone who's highly electrically sensitive and they need to not have any wireless transmitting devices in the house, 
So what I want to know, if if they ask about something or their spouse wants to bring something in or the contractor they're working with, they're building a home. And so, you know, they want a central, they want central lighting control. They want security systems. They want baby monitors. They want um, routers. The question arises, can we find models that are hardwired um, and that don't transmit? But if they do transmit, can we turn the transmitter off? Can we find a model that doesn't have a transmitter? Does the transmitter transmit all the time or just intermittently? You know, these are all the questions that we have to ask. And how far does it transmit and before we get to a level that we consider safe? These are all the parameters that we look at. I have a nerdy question here. In my notes, when you came over and was educating myself on all this, I wrote down, you can have voltage without current. Can you explain that? Yes. So um, what we have uh, in, in, in our homes, in, in residences and in commercial buildings is uh, electric circuits. The electricity comes to a home on two incoming hot wires and then there's one exiting neutral wire. That's the, the, the overhead or underground service cables to your, and the, and the hot wires go through your break your meter to meter how much measure how much you're using so you are billed by the company and then that goes to a breaker panel with individual breakers that that trip if there's a um the possibility of an over voltage or you know to prevent fire and shock so these branch circuits go out into the house and the current flows on the hot wire and goes to loads through switches to um a motor uh, a fan motor, um, to light bulbs, to um, to circuit boards in uh, computers and such. And then that current always goes through the load and back on the neutral wire to uh, through the box that the switch is in, not through the switch itself, but through the box. This is called the neutral wire. It's the white wire of, of the circuit. The black wire is the hot or red, other colors. The white wire is always the neutral. Uh, and then that, that current comes back to the breaker panel on all those circuits, those branch circuits, and then back on the neutral wire to the neighborhood transformer, and from there back to the um, substation and to the power generating station. So power starts at a power generating station and goes out to all the homes in its service area and back again on the neutral wire. So there's a great big loop. Now, whenever current goes through a wire, there's a magnetic field that rotates clockwise right through the insulation, through the walls, could be several, you know, eight, six, eight, ten feet into the room uh, of magnetic field exposure. And the reason why we don't have that, the reason why we don't measure it is because there's also a current coming back on the neutral wire rotating in the opposite direction. And if the two wires are together, those two fields are right on top of each other, those tunnels, if you will, and they're invisible, but they, they completely um, cancel each other. Well, they're separated by a, a quarter of an inch. Or half an inch in the in the circuit, so that's why there's a little bit of, of of offsetting of those of those fields, and you do measure a magnetic field right next to it. That's the localized magnetic field. But if they're balanced, if you have three amps going out on a circuit through switches to some lights overhead, and three amps coming back, then you have full cancellation. Where you get wiring errors is when you have a couple of circuits in a in a switch switches. And, and, and the neutrals are tied together. So when you turn any one of those switches on and the current from one circuit comes in on the hot wire, goes up and comes back, then it has two ways to get back. And now you don't have the same amount of current going back on that one circuit on the neutral. So the magnetic field of the neutral is low, is smaller. 
and, and it doesn't cancel all of the magnetic field of the hot, so that results in a magnetic field, we can fix that. Now, electric fields don't come from um, current. Electric fields come from the voltage of the hot wire, which is, which is a, just from the pressure. So if you open a spigot, you have 85 pounds of water pressure in your garden hose, but you don't have water flow until you go and pick up the other end of the hose and squeeze the nozzle, and you feel a kick in your hand because of the 85 pounds of water pressure. I explain this to you as I do for all my clients when I first work with them to explain what electric. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. And, and and you squeeze a nozzle, you feel the kick in the hand, and the water shoots out because of the 85 pounds of pressure from opening the spigot. Well, when you open the spigot, that's like turning on the breaker. And then you you plug in a lamp, and you still don't have any light until you go to the light and you turn the switch. You flip the, the uh, you know turn the little switch and turn the light on on the lamp. That's like squeezing the nozzle. Now. When you let go of the nozzle, you remember there's a kick, there's kick, a kick in your hand because there's still 85 pounds of pressure of water pressure. So the hose still has water pressure right up to the nozzle, ready to, to you know, shoot out again when you squeeze it again. In the same way, there's still 120 volts of electrical pressure in that circuit on the hot wire only, and in the on the hot wire of the lamp cord, right up to the switch. When you turn the switch on, boom that elect the electrons flow through the filament and light up the room the bulb because of the 120 pounds sorry 120 volts of electrical pressure which is in in any every circuit up to the switch up to the outlet up to the switch on the lamp that you plug in now when you turn that lamp off you no longer have current but the pressure of voltage is still there in that cord on the hot wire and that, that, that still produces an electric field that comes out six or eight feet into the space that you're sleeping in. And it disrupts the functioning of your cells because your cells are filled with ionic particles that have, have an ionic charge that are, that are affected by this, this positive. So, so, so with electric fields, there's a, a big field that comes out six or eight feet and diminishes linearly as you move away from the circuits in the walls, plastic circuits and um, plastic cords that are, you know, a few feet from your body when you're sleeping from your bed. And so that it comes out with a positive force and then it collapses. And then it comes out with a negative force and then it collapses. It does this um, 60 times a second because the sine wave of, of AC electricity, alternating current electricity in, in the world, 60 cycles here, 50 cycles in Europe, 120 volts here, 240 volts there, and in the rest of the world oscillates. It, 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 so this field is oscillating and, and you have this agitating influence all night long when you're sleeping and you wake up and you feel tired because you, your, your vitality has been depleted. You're not getting into deep stage four sleep. You're not releasing enough melatonin. Um, and and they're all, there are consequences from that. So when you shut off the voltage, not the current, the current's already stopped because you're not, you're not running current through that circuit. If you put a clamp meter around the hot wire or the neutral wire, it'll be zero. There's no current flowing. But if you measure the, the voltage, like if you put you know, a voltmeter on that, there's 120 volts in there. You'll get shocked if you cut that, that, that lamp cord with, with, a, with a pair of scissors and you, you join momentarily the hot to the neutral as a dead short, you'll get a big ball of light which will burn your eyes and your face. Don't do it. And it'll trip the breaker. You know, or he put a little, what? Just to explain to people that are listening, yeah. What you're saying is you have a lamp next to your bed, and then even though it's turned off, you don't have um, current. the current. You don't have the magnetic field. Right, but the voltage is still there, so you uh. have to 
unplug the lamp if you well want to. if you unplug the lamp you'll reduce you'll drop the electric field level at the bed by 50 percent but you still have an electric field coming from the plastic romex romex circuits that are within that eight to ten foot bubble you know you have to have no romex live romex within six or eight feet of your body in any direction while you sleep Okay, hold hold that for a second. Romex. What is Romex? Because well, it's just a brand name for the the, the plastic wiring that you buy at, okay. at the. At the so it's the, no wiring around you for at least six to eight feet. To no, but, but but well, the only way you can accomplish that is to yeah. pull your bed into the middle of the room. Nobody needs to do that. What right. we need to do is to well, is is in a single family home, you we would do things differently than we did at your house. We would uh, have people shut off breakers at night for the bedroom and the circuits that are within six or eight feet of the bed in all directions. So that could include the circuits that run underneath and when the floor going from the breaker panel to you know, through that wall or through that floor to another room down the hall, if that's the path that the circuit takes to get there from the breaker panel. And, and so we, we have a test called the body voltage test that we do to, to determine which circuits need to be shut off. And then we... Um, see, the family will just shut off circuits manually for a week or two. If they feel better, then they can hire an electrician to put in a kill switch, a, a, a whole um, UL-approved set of switches at the breaker panel. And you, you press a button in your bedroom, sends a signal, and it triggers a switch to shut off power to the switch, the circuit that we identify. Yeah. Not the breakers; they stay on, but we interrupt those circuits through a. Uh, a box that an electrician puts in next to the breaker panel. There's two companies that make that, one in Germany and one here in Oregon. Got it. Um, so for people listening to this, this is new information for them, or maybe not such new information, but they want to just know some simple, effective, quick, I can get off this podcast and go do this right now sort of thing. What are some things they can do right now in their home to mitigate dirty electricity, the electrical fields, the magnetic fields. What before they go and hire someone like you? What is something they can do right now to help mitigate these levels? Well, um, I'm asked that question towards the end of every interview that I do, and my answer is always the same. Okay. You got to read our websites. You've got to learn about this. CreateHealthyHomes.com, BuildingBiologyInstitute.org, uh, and that'll lead you to you know, click on find an expert to, to find somebody near you. And, and then you can go to their website. You need to learn the complexities of, of this, not because I, I want you to be inundated with complex information, but because you need to understand the difference between magnetic fields, electric fields, radio frequencies, and dirty electricity. I have five articles on my website that do just that. There's an introduction to EMS, and then there's four separate articles on each of the four types of EMS. Um, and then I talk, and then I have in the education section, I have articles on safer use of cell phones. That's new since I was at your place in uh, two years ago in 2019. Safer use of cell phones. There's also safer use of computers. That's on the education set in the education section of my website. I have a lot of suggestions on how you can switch from your phone and your tablet. Your, when I say phone, I mean your smartphone to back to hardwired alternatives, a corded landline telephone, and then um, computers, a laptop or desktop computers that you can sync up, you know, you know Apple to Apple, like, like if you have an iPhone and you have a MacBook, they're all linked up through Apple ID and the iCloud. And so your, your laptop, which can have an ethernet cable 
plugged into it, and then you can put it in airplane or turn off the Wi-Fi and the Bluetooth, then and, and make sure it's grounded so you don't have electric fields. And then you can you can do everything that you can do on your that you do on your smartphone on your laptop, in, including talking to people. You can because the, when someone calls you, your iPhone and your MacBook both ring and you can talk to people through your MacBook. You get your, your text there, including Android text. I have a way of showing you how to do that. Um, if you have the new M1 uh, um, system, not Intel, but the M1 microprocessor of new MacBooks, iMacs, and Mac minis for desktop and laptop Mac computers, all of the apps on your iPhone show up on the computer if you have an M1 microprocessor for new MacBooks. So you're not going to miss anything. Okay. Um, so that's when, and if you have an Android phone and you have a, a PC computer, then you can do it through Google Voice and Google Message and all sorts of things. Okay, okay, got it. I mean, what, what people need to do is get educated and then learn all the things. So, you know, um, uh, uh, reduce use, increase distance and favor hardwired connections for radio frequency wireless devices. Uh, you need to get um, a, a meter uh, and find out if you have magnetic fields in your house. You need to, and you need to, uh, unplug but see the things i don't want people to be unplugging and plugging their their yeah. cords at night but you get the point um and that only reduces it by 50 percent. you need to find out what the electric field levels are in your bedroom um and but at least you know, don't load your bedroom up with a lot of cords around your bed um get a power strip and switch that off at night uh, around your bed um if you want, and, and then make sure that your computer is grounded. Okay. Uh, and if you if you do uh, get an Ethernet cable, make sure it's a grounded Ethernet cable and you have the grounded adapter and you have an Ethernet grounding adapter kit because if you then unplug that, that power cord that is grounding your laptop, then, and, and you don't have a grounded Ethernet cable, you're gonna have high electric fields. Another thing is if you do um, use an Ethernet cable, and it should be a grounded Ethernet cable with metal on both ends. Um, be sure to manually turn off the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth because plugging in an Ethernet cable doesn't automatically turn off the Wi-Fi. You haven't helped yourself at all hmm. because okay. the, the EMFs from your laptop or desktop are from the radio frequencies from the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth right in front of you. If you move the router out of your living room, put it in the garage, that's only part, half half of the battle. That's half of the victory. You're still getting um, radio frequencies in a strong way from the device right in front of you. So it's ideal to find. You've got to find a way, and this is not easy, to get internet from the router wherever it is into all the rooms where people are located who are using that uh, that inter internet account. So how do you do that? You, yeah. you need Ethernet cables or or power line adapters or uh, multimedia over coaxial alliance mocha um, boxes that use the coaxial cable network in the walls as your path. So there are multiple ways of getting okay. internet from one room to another. For dirty electricity, uh, avoid um, dimmer switches, compact fluorescent lights, uh, variable speed pool pump motors and, and uh, energy efficient furnaces, although we like energy efficiency, but um, you may need some filters. You may need some plug-in Stetzer Greenwave filters, uh, uh, SATIC, SATIC. These are companies that make plug-in filters. The SATIC company and SignTamer make whole house dirty electricity units. If you're going to get solar panels, 
um, get Enphase, E-N-P-H-A-S-E microinverter brand inverters or the solar HD wave string inverter on the side of the house. Those are the two cleaner, not uh, no dirty electricity, but less uh, uh, in uh, dirty electricity producing inverters. Um, with magnetic fields, you need to measure those. You just don't know if you have them. If you have ma magnetic fields from wiring errors, get them repaired by one of us. Um, if you have current on your water pipe, an electrician or a plumber can come in and put in a dielectric union. These are things that you have in houses. If you're in an apartment, don't live on the first floor or if you're looking for an apartment because, because the chances are there's going to be current on the water pipes or the electrical lines that are underneath your floor in the ceiling oh. of the garage. I don't recommend that people live on the first, first floor of apartments, second floor or higher. And then you got to check and see how strong the radio frequencies are coming through your wall. You may have to apply Y shield paint in your walls, but then you can't use your own cell phone in that room because <laughs> you know, then the cell phone's going to work harder to connect to an outside source through a wall that has Y shield. I mean, it's it's nuts to to paint your walls so that you have a, a safer bedroom, and then then your husband complains that he can't connect to the cell tower. This happened to a colleague of mine and, and, and they literally had to take the sheetrock off the wall because she said, you got to take the paint off the wall that I wanted you to put on there to make our bedroom safe from the cell tower outside. My husband can't use a cell phone in the bedroom and he's not happy about that. So, and, and we said, we can't take the paint off. It's, it's stuck on the, you asked us to do it. We told you it won't come off. So they had to literally rip the sheetrock off and put new sheetrock on without the paint. And now she has, because you know, so you got to you got to work all this out ahead of time before and have your expectations correct, so that you, yeah, you know, well, there's so much to this. So much to it, yeah. And we did that in our son's room, and it's interesting you say that because the cell um, service is less in his room. But I don't care about that. I'm happy that. Well, that's that's, I mean, that's that means that what we did worked. That's right. That's right. But what they're doing is they're dropping in these small cell antennas in between the mile to a mile and a half uh, distance between the macro towers that have been there for 20 years already. They're dropping in these 4G antennas in your neighborhood in front of your house. And it's always on. It's 120 degrees out in front of each one of those transmitters. It's not a, it's not 800 to 1,000 watts like the macro um, antennas are, the 4G macro antennas that are a mile to a mile and a half apart that we've had for, for 10, 20 years, 3G and 4G. They're 100 watts, 400 up to 400 watts, but they're right in front of your house, got it on your on your block, and they're small cells, so they don't go as far. They're lower power, uh, but they're, they're adding they're, they're they're taking up the slack. They're adding capacity to the network, which is so that you're not drawing from the the macro tower that's a mile away anymore. You're drawing from the small cell antenna that's in front of you, but it's still 4G, but but it's but it's beaming right into your bedroom. And that's that's the problem, folks. Okay. And it's a, it's a, it's in the low band and mid band, and and so the the the, the wavelength at 600 megahertz is 15 inches. The 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 wavelength at 2.4 gigahertz, 2.5 gigahertz at the upper end of the of of the 4G band is five inches. So 15 inches to five inches, and, and as you go up in frequency, the wavelength is shorter. But those are a wide wide enough that long enough that they can go through walls easily, easy penetration through walls. Building materials don't block these things and they go for miles. And, and you know, there's a certain amount of data uh, transfer that occurs. Now with, with 
updating of this and with the low band and mid band 5G, you can go, you know, you're not just 15 to 50 megabits per second. You could be up to 250 megabits per second. That's what you can get in the low and mid band. It's not being formed and it's it's not, you know, but it's right in front of your house and it's always on. But that's but that's only half the issue. The other thing that people who listen to this podcast and who are in the EMF community who care about this need to know, it's your devices. Diane, it's the device in your pocket. Yeah. Everyone keeps telling me I'm so worried, Orm, about the cell tower that I can see out there where the 5G that's coming. I say, when? Well, tomorrow. I mean, it's coming. It's coming. In front of, people are in the panic. They call me up in tears because of what they're reading. And I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying it's not necessarily going to come in what the, with what they think. And, and what they don't realize is, as you know from your, your own experience, I go through their homes and there's there's dozens of, of wireless devices. And they say to me, I'm not worried about that arm. I'm worried about the, the 5G out there. And I say, you don't have that. It's not going to come to where you live for quite a while. But let's look at what you have in your pocket and in your kids' rooms and in your husband's you know, office and in the kitchen and so on. And they're not thinking about that. Right. That's a good point. So does it make sense when I hear a lot of people say, and particularly in particular, um, sensitive people and empathic people, people that are empaths or just people in the spiritual community. Um, actually, I shouldn't even say that. Does it, does it make sense when I hear people say, gosh, I'm really feeling it lately. They're really turning up the the 5G, or they're really putting more satellites in space. And is that all hogwash or is no, that- No, no, it's real. Um, okay, so there are people within our community who are at the sensitive end of the spectrum, who I know, who I work with, who, who write a lot. And um, there are individuals who are so sensitive, they actually know when when um, there's activity with cell, uh, with um, satellites um, in, in some of these networks, not commercial, but but um, other agencies. There are people who, who have contacts in those agencies. Um, I'll sort of leave, leave them nameless, but when they do certain activity, these people know, and they, they alert each other. They're in contact with each other and they know. I'm amazed at that. And, and because you see, my profession's meters are pretty sensitive, you know, but, but not as sensitive as these people. Um, th- there are people in our, practices who are highly electrically sensitive for whom I will put my meter down at a certain point during the day. And I'll say, well, I've gotten things as low as I can, according to my meters, my NFA 1000 uh, from gigahertz solutions, um, magnetic field and electric field meter that is capable of doing body voltage measurements and freestanding electric field measurements in three axes, which, uh, and it's much more sensitive than the electric field setting, not to be critical, but of the the tri-field, especially the, the old tri-field 100XE, which was not sensitive enough for magnetic, for, excuse me, for electric and radio frequency settings. But the TF2 is much more sensitive, much better, but still not quite as sensitive enough for my consideration. Uh, I, I prefer the body voltage meter, which you can get from less EMF for $89 or from Safe Living Technologies for $130. And then uh, the radio frequency, um, I mean, I, I like the uh, Safe and Sound Pro Classic and Safe and Sound I'm sorry, the Safe and Sound Classic and the Safe and Sound Pro 2 from Safe Living Technologies. I like the Acoustometer and the Acousticom 2 from uh, uh, Alistair Phillips uh, EM Fields. Um, and, and, you know, the, the radio frequency setting on the Tri-Field 2, TF2, is, is a, a, a good. 
It's, um, it's a good screening tool. So uh, uh, kudos to Alpha Labs. The Trifield TFT was a great little meter. I recommend it. And it's the most affordable three-axis magnetic field meter. Because it, it's the only one at $168 that measures all three axes. Now, the Cornet's good, too. The Cornet ED88T measures all three uh, fields, uh, magnetic, electric, and radio as well. Not dirty. I have to get a plug-in meter for that from Stetzer or Greenwave. But the Cornet is a good meter, too, the ED88T. It's a single-axis magnetic field meter, but it's accurate. Um, electric fields, fairly accurate. Radio frequencies, it's good. Um, it it uh, has a, even a little histogram. Um, and um, and it, it's it's good at measuring. In the, that one and the TF2 measure radio frequencies in uh, milliwatts per meter squared. So you just need to move the decimal point three places to the right to get to microwatts per meter squared, which is the unit of measurement that we mentioned in the building biology evaluation guidelines that you can download from my website on the education page and then under uh, all about EMFs, let me verify that. And then that's then you have the drop down menu under the education page under all about EMFs. There it is, then building biology safe guidelines. You can also see that on the safelivingtechnologies.com website. Wonderful. Oh, Aurum, I need a cocktail. This is so <laughs> And I don't even drink, but this is such a informative, informative um, podcast. And there's so much to just listen to and pause and write down and listen to and pause and write down. So yeah, it's, it's new information. Um, yeah. I, I have a lot of information on my website. I've just been writing yeah. articles for years. Just, you know, in fact, the universe guides me in the whole thing. I mean, and I'll tell you how. I'll get three emails in the course of 10 days or two weeks on the same subject. And it's like the universe is saying, hello, you better write an article about this topic. So I'll write a, a lengthy response to, to one of them and I'll post it on my uh, website as a new article. Mm. So just before we go, do you have any parting words for the people listening? Well, um, yes, and, and uh, a few, and that is uh, briefly, um, I'm really glad that there are people out there who are bringing to our attention, our collective attention, what's going on. We need to know about this. I support the activists and the advocates. I, I, I don't have time to get into it myself, but I, I, I follow what they're saying and what they're doing, and I'm, I'm aware of it, and I, I support them with information, um, and I, you know, and, and, and their collective act, actions activities has made a big difference. It's raised awareness. Um, I just ask that people learn um, the details, pay attention to, to what's really going on in their personal environment, um, that they take what they're reading. You know, the, the, again, I, I may have mentioned this earlier, the four things in no particular order that other people, that people are reading is uh, 5G, um, dirty electricity, chips and pendants, and earthing mats, which I also we also support. Earthing mats are great. Um, we add to that. We say they're all great. They're all important. But we add to that magnetic and electric fields and indoor sources of radio frequencies, not just what's out there. You've got to pay attention to what's in your pocket, what's in your, uh, your child's crib, uh, in your children's hands, in the living room, you know, um, uh, where you sleep. In the kitchen, you have to pay attention to these things. You, you're unaware of what's right around you, um, and don't 
over worry about your exposure to these things. If you're sensitive, that's different. Then you, you, you need to cut back. You need to get good meters, get professional help, have one of us or, you know, who, whoever you can find who, who helps you where you live or even long distance to help analyze and educate you on this and reduce these things and give your body a chance to heal. But don't, don't push your family. Don't stress out your, your, I, I have spouses who say to me, you got to help us. She's nuts. I mean, she's pushing us too much and I can see it. It's really a strain. And, uh, you know, and on the other hand, the spouses say, all right, you've convinced me that there's something to this. I'm not going to be so resistive. You know, th th there's a great coming together that can happen in families. See what I'm saying? Yes. Well, thank you so much, um, Oram. This yeah, is great. You're welcome. And there is so much that we can learn from you. And I have all your information on the show notes. So guys, any information you want to find, you can, of course, pick up from what he shared in the podcast or simply go to the show notes. Oram, thank, thank you, you much. You're welcome. Thank you for the invitation. And glad to share this, this knowledge with your listeners. Thanks so much. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform or go to spiritualgeekout.com.